Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we'd just hang on. But I can't recall a time when I ever had I'm Stuart Friesen, and you're listening to the Always Race Day podcast. All right, guys, welcome to episode number 49 of the Always Race Day podcast presented by Carl Auto Group. I'm Connor Ferguson, joined by Damon Helgevald. Uh, and before we start here, we want to tell you, if you want a nice little Chevrolet Silverado, or a big one, or one where I pronounce the word Silverado correctly, you can get one at the Carl Auto Group. They have them now. Uh, it's this, not the same ones, but pretty dang close uh, to the one that Stuart Friesen drives uh, in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. He's the guest on the podcast today, uh, presented once again by the Carl Auto Group. Make sure you check them out at carlauto.com uh, and make a disturbance the next time you purchase a car from them or truck. Yeah. Yep. Scream, yell, do whatever you got to do. Is it just cars and trucks right now? No tanks or anything like that. Is there anything I'm missing? SUVs. SUVs. Okay, SUVs. that's that's kind of in the middle. I see. I see. Um, cars, trucks, SUVs, minivans. Minivan. Uh, George Niang loves those. Yes, he does. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right, let's uh, let's get these guys ready for the weekend, Damon. Uh, if you guys were looking for us to uh, talk about Millbridge from Wednesday night, I'm sorry we're recording in the afternoon. Uh, we were doing that so we could interview Stuart Friesen. Um, so congrats to Kyle Larson on sweeping the night, micro and midget, um, and Brett Moffat and Landon Castle bringing home the podium in the micro race. That's very impressive against the field of cars they were up against. Uh, especially after not making the AMA on Tuesday. So congrats to them on their results. Um, who podiumed in the midgets, Damon? Oh, boy, that's that's tough. Uh, I mean, you can't can't look past uh, Brett Cruz, you know, can't look past that. It's hard to tell him, man. There's a lot of guys out there. I agree. Maybe uh, maybe Zach Don goes back to back podiums. That's good. That's good. Yep. We're just throwing stuff stuff out of this point. Ryan Timms is racing. I, Ryan Timms. That's shitty of us. He's been on the podcast before. We got to make sure we give him some props. He's podiuming, or he podiumed on Wednesday. Yeah. So, yeah. Congrats. You're listening on Thursday. Um, we're gonna get you guys ready for the weekend here. And uh, if if all these come true, you might want to uh, to hit us up for the picks for the weekend because we're gonna do that for we're yeah. on to something. Yeah, we're we're right there already. I can feel it. We're gonna be perfect here. Um, 
man i am uh i'm super excited though uh this is probably one of my most favorite weekends of the year and i always just stay i always stay home and just watch all the racing on sunday and eventually i want it to be the party spot uh where all my friends go but everyone's vacationing (laughs) I mean, it is Memorial Day weekend, so I can't say I don't blame them. But when we uh, built, when I mean, we build like always, when we build like always race day headquarters, and I got like half my house dedicated to the website, then we'll do that. Then I'm not gonna lie to you; I'd rather be watching the races than spending time on a boat. So there's that. Boating good anytime, except for Memorial Day Sunday. Yeah, if you're doing anything that doesn't doesn't include activities happening near a television you're doing it wrong or uh, radio what do you want to do we'll or start radio. hey yeah. you can't you can't you're right you're right you dodged two of our former guests on this pod <laughs> we're going down the list if we go if we keep going i mean we're going to end up trashing on Stuart freeson by the end of this i was gonna say i'm waiting <laughs> for that to happen now let's uh let's start with memorial day sunday uh and then we'll talk about uh kind of the rest of the stuff happening throughout the weekend because indianapolis is buzzing i love what usac's doing i love what uh what's going on around there um and what they're doing around charlotte as well so we'll talk about all of it uh but obviously sunday starts off the day formula one at monaco uh i would usually just make my pick on saturday after qualifying and just be like pulse it or wins but max Verstappen is four for four in races where his engine hasn't blown so I've got Verstappen. I think it's kind of an easy pick, but that's that's my pick for that race. Yeah, it's a good pick. I mean, it's kind of hard to to pick against Verstappen too, right? Um, I think our picks for the next two races will be different for sure. So yeah, I mean, I I was going to say you know if there's a, a get right race for Lewis Hamilton, it could be Sunday, but they just haven't shown a whole hell of a lot. So um, I think Verstappen's got it. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more uh, about Indy, um, and we'll touch more on F one maybe. But I mean that it's a cool race. It's a cool venue and everything. The water is real. The track is one of the coolest tracks um, that's out there, especially for a street course. Can you call it a street course? I think you can. Yeah, it's a street course. It's on the streets of Monaco. Or of uh, yeah, yeah, Monaco. Yeah, yeah. streets of Monaco. Right. Yeah, I think it's a city, country, and state in yes, probably like province isn't it, is it called isn't it in monte carlo is that what it's oh yeah it's monte carlo something so, yeah. okay yeah all right anyways indycar uh in the 106th running of the indianapolis 500 um damon who who are you thinking do you have a list of guys oh yeah i got a list of guys i've kind of got a favorite all right hold on hold on we'll do it like this is alex Pillow on your list he is one of the guys on my list. He, yes. He's mine. He uh, he first caught my eye two years ago running for uh, Meyer Shank, right? Who ended up <laughs> winning the Indianapolis 500 with Elio last year. Uh, mm-hmm. But they weren't like a powerhouse team at the time. And this kid's like a new kid. He's coming in and he was kicking butt in that Indianapolis 500. He's running near the front. Um, I think he got up to second at one point in the race, uh, whether it be pit strategy or not. Uh, but he drove up there. It was talent that drove him up there. And that's ultimately why he got the Chip Ganassi ride um, and why he ended up winning the championship last year. I think he could get his on Sunday. Um, but obviously, there's a lot of things that can happen in this race. It is, 
I don't even know how to describe it, man. It's one of those big races where it's like, it's not a, and it's not Daytona. You're not throwing a wheel of random in there. You have to strategize perfectly. Um, there's so many moments where someone could wreck, uh, you could miss on how many laps you had to go, how much, uh, fuel you put in, you could have an engine issue. It is the craziest race of the year for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I think Pelot has got a good shot. I think that's why it's such a big race is because there is that sense of randomness to it. Right. You know, you think back to the year that Dan Weldon beat, uh, J.R. Hildebrand. I mean, J.R. Hildebrand was a rookie in that deal. Right. And was running up front with a team that wasn't necessarily a, a very big powerhouse team at the time, a lot of fill in drivers. And then you have Dan coming out of nowhere in a car that he wasn't even planning to be in for the majority of the season. And so, uh, that's that race right there is big. You look, I ever told you my story about that race. Uh, probably like, you know, I was a big Dan Weldon fan, right? Yeah. So he went to that number four national guard car. So I was cheering for that for a couple of years. So mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I Chip Ganassi was just Chip Ganassi to me. Didn't mean that much to me, you know, whatever. I was just cheering for where Dan Weldon was at. So he exits the car or exits the ride, I guess. J.R. Hildebrand takes a spot. Dan's not racing anymore. I'm like, all right, well, I've got to cheer for someone. And Scott Dixon wins too much. <laughs> so I'm cheering for Hildebrand. And then come to find out like a week before the race that Dan Weldon's racing in the Indianapolis 500. Um, I'm like 10 or 11. I barely had a phone with internet. So don't yell at me for that one. <laughs> I, all I hear about, um, I can't remember where I heard it. I think I got a text. I think I was at like a baseball tournament. I have no idea what I would be mm-hmm. doing during Indianapolis 500 Sunday. Quit scheduling stuff that weekend, people, by the way. My high school graduation, still pissed about that. Um, but I got a text like, oh my God, can you believe it? I Hildebrand, oh my, what? How do you wreck there? How do you wreck there? And I'm thinking like, he must have wrecked with like five laps to go. Finally see the replay. I had another guy text me Dan Weldon one. I'm like, all right, well that's, that's really cool. And then I see the replay. And I'm just like, you, you are not kidding me. Like seriously, yeah. he wrecked coming out of the final turn. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying with, with the randomness of the race. I mean, uh, Alexander Rossi ran out of fuel as he came across the stripe and backed it clear down, you know, last year with Elio and Polo going head to head. I don't think it, many people gave Elio much of a chance not being in a, a Penske car. So, um, the race is, it, it is a, a random race but it is a strat a strategic type race and that's why a lot of people love to watch it um and i won't i won't cheer i don't cheer for people i don't know i guess when they're racing like that but i would have won 150 bucks if Pelot won last year (laughs) so i was scared i was intimidated by elio coming up and i I was proven to be right afterwards Uh, i did not give him the same chance that i gave alex Pelot though because of what car they were in. And obviously Elio extremely proved me wrong, but right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, there's so much that, that can go in and go right, go wrong in a, in a race like this. So it's going to be exciting. Uh, looking forward, looking forward to it. I guess if, if we're calling out picks as far as who, who we think is going to do it, um, I'm going to look to the guy starting next to Polo, but not 
in a Ganassi car. And uh, I think, you know, Renus VK showed a lot of speed this, this entire month. Uh, Ed Carpenter always brings good cars to Indy. And I, that's why I think even with Connor Daly starting in the back of the field, he's going to have a, a good run on top of it. Uh, so as long as he can stay out of trouble, uh, I'm going to go with Renus VK to pick up the 500 win. I don't think a ton of people realize this either. And if you listen to the trackside podcast ever, uh, it's with a couple of the IndyCar guys that do a really, really good job uh, at covering the series. And it makes me a bigger IndyCar fan every time I listen to it. It's a nice little like 45-minute deal uh, about once every week or so, even in the offseason. They spend the entire year, Damon, talking about the Indy 500. Mm-hmm. And much like every team here prepares for this race and it's one day out of 365 and obviously you get two weeks of practice leading up to it and three weeks in your home track at indianapolis but this is all this is like they talk about this race every episode just about you know i'd be shocked if you could find one from the past year where they haven't mentioned it every every card um every chip goes all into the indianapolis 500 which is what ed carpenter racing has done and renis vk that dude's good i hope if he i hope one of these small teams gets an indy card title at some point like one of these guys is going to be like even better than polo was in his first year or renis vk was as a youngster and they're going to get one and they're going to break through and in this like big three reign but we'll see i don't i I hope Rena stays at Ed Carpenter. That kid's really yeah. good. I think you will. I mean, I don't see a reason for him to leave because they're competitive week in, week out. And Ed That's my, it's all money. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still competitive week in and week out. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I think the other, other name that you need to look at as sort of a long shot, but hasn't really done or hasn't really kind of labeled themselves as a long shot because of the car he drives, but you know, Jimmy Johnson is shown a lot of speed and I'm, I will not be surprised if he were to win on Sunday. I, I don't, I think I'd be surprised. I'd be I impressed. I, I would be impressed. I wouldn't be surprised. And the only reason, because we saw what he did at Texas and Brickyard's been a place where Jimmy's won races at as well, you know, and I think just navigating the racetrack, it's going to be at a completely different speed. It's going to be completely different in the pomp and circumstance behind it. Yes. But we also said the same thing about Texas and he went out there and, and ran to the front all day. So uh, I think that's why you got to look at Jimmy as being a real contender come Sunday. Do you think that having, you know, obviously in his qualifying run, he almost wrecked on the first turn of the first lap. And I'm not trying to, that's a stat. It's not, sorry. I said that in a very poor manner. I apologize to Jimmy. I know he's listens to most episodes. So mm-hmm. Jimmy, if you're listening, my bad, but do you think that not running it full corner? I mean, you're still running right up against the edge of a race trimmed car, but the qualifying trim is much different. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about 10 miles per hour difference in that corner. Do you think that's going to help him uh, be able to mask that any mistake that he makes? I, I mean, obviously oh, yeah. like you make a little mistake in the Indy 500, you're going to lose a spot or two, but I, I think that's got to be able to help him a little bit uh, in terms of like his comfortability and, and what he's going to do in this race. 
I just listened to uh, the Dale Jr. download, and Dale Jr. kind of talked a little bit about Jimmy's qualifying run and how he is afraid that Jimmy's trying to get every little bit out of the car to the point that he's pushing the limit almost too much. And so I think that's been uh, the big thing for for Jimmy is he's trying to push it almost too much. And so where, you know, you knock down some of the speed from qualifying trim to race trim, I think that it's going to mask a little bit, but as we've seen, these cars are hard to mask, uh, mask mistakes. I mean, you make a mistake, it's, it's a mistake and it's a little mistake turns into a big one. Right. For sure. Um, let's talk Alexander Rossi. Uh, it seems like every week he just seems frustrated with the team he's at. Um, and you got fans that are like dogging on him for being frustrated in an interview. Like, come on, shut up. But he, he does seem frustrated with his team and there are rumors with plenty of steam behind him that he won't be racing there next year. Um, not as though he's going to get fired, but as though he's going to make a switch to a different uh, big team. I don't want to, I'm not reporting that here. I'm just saying there's rumors. I Is, is he going to have that drive and is he going to have the car capable of uh, kind of competing uh, in this race? Because we see his talent, you know, uh, when him and Dixon blew motors last year uh, in the Indy 500, it was like, geez, that's, and it was two of the three guys I picked. The third one was Polo. So what what do we think? What do we think? Do I put him on my list? I mean, you kind of have to, right? It's a guy that's won at this racetrack before. He gets around the place really well. Uh, when you ask if he has the drive or if he's going to have the car, he's going to have the drive. I mean, anybody who steps yeah, and I, I did that a race I'm, is going to have is going to have the drive. It's more or less the car, and I don't know if he's going to have the car because Andretti's been slow this month. Yeah, I, I've done a poor job of phrasing things today. I hate it. I know people listen back to it and they're like, you really said that you schmuck, (laughs) but no, uh, obviously he's going to have the want to win. I, I just don't know if it'll be there with that car. We'll see. I think they'll get it figured out. They got one of the cars figured out. So all you got to do is put that in the other three and make it conducive to what drivers in it. Right. Uh, how well they do that. I don't know what they're going to do. Andretti seems to be, in all sorts of things right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens carb day on Friday. Um, let's talk Coke 600 before we talk about what else is going on in Indy. Okay. Oh, we didn't, did you want to round out? What's our, what's our three picks? So I, I've got, I guess, Polo, Rossi, and I'll put Dixon on there since you didn't. Okay. Well, I'm obviously I said, Rena's VK. I'm going to go with, uh, um, the long shot my long shot pick being jimmy johnson and uh man you took dixon so that kind of hurts things a little bit this is me getting you back for not taking john force in the greatest driver of all time draft yes i did you didn't no, i let you take him well okay it's because i had i had multiple picks i had to strategize a little bit. I was, in the, I was in the middle of that draft. You're like, he's going to, he's going to leave him on the board and Connor goes, yeah, well, I'm just going to bet with my heart. Cause then I can win every debate. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to bet against, against another Ganassi car. 
So um, let's go Marcus Erickson. All right, I'm writing I'm writing these down just so we have record. I just think, you know, with with the way Ganassi's ran, all five of their cars making the, the fast 12, that's kind of insane, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're definitely right. And um, it's, dude, they're just fast. There's no way, there's no other way to say it. They're, they have the fastest cars um, on the track. And Jimmy would have been up there. The, the yeah. His second lap was insane too, right? His, his last three laps were good. In fact, he probably, I think they said that he would have snuck in as the last car, the fast six, had he ran anything near what he did in the last three laps. But he ran that, what was it? 229 or something like that on that first lap. And that really, really cost him, unfortunately. Yeah, you're definitely right. Let's uh, let's go to Charlotte and Coke 600. Um, the race is basically sold out. So Jeff Gluck uh, amended his tweet, um, and so there's still single seats available from the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's not a uh, it's not a complete sellout yet, I guess. But you're still there's no seats available together to right. say. So yeah, right. the grandstands are going to be. They are tracking to sell out. I think that they they are on pace to sell out right now by Sunday. Right. So we're looking at this race. It's been a snoozer for two years in a row. The next-gen car is at least going to bring a lot of unpredictability. I think this will be the toughest test for the tires because you're running 600 miles. Mm-hmm. You're going to have oh, another 100 miles to have something go wrong. Between that and we saw tires last week that couldn't go more than 40 laps. I have to contest you. I have to contest you on that because I think, I think teams were really pushing it to the edge because how come, you finish how come, first or you don't make money. How come you're not having, or you're having issues across the entire board. We saw tires blown in the truck series and in the Xfinity series, and they're running, they're running a whole different compound. I can't tell you that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I, it's, there's a tire problem. It's, I don't think a lot of the team stuff, I'm not saying it's not completely on the teams, but I think we need to really look at Goodyear more than we do need to look at the teams. That's fair. Um, dude, by the end of this podcast, everyone that listens is going to be mad. Yeah. Didn't bring, I didn't bring up the, I didn't bring up the other brand yet. So they've, been all right the last week or so yeah. ish. Well, we're, we're opening new opening the sport to new brands feel like in 10 years they're just gonna switch yeah Hoosier's gonna be the official tire of the cup series and goodyear's gonna have every dirt car could you imagine there'd be um, a lot of uh <laughs> I, I would just, I envy like reading I, those Facebook comments. Like if someone Photoshopped all those, like that'd be hilarious if they could dream up something like that. I just can't. I do think that with this, this car, we have seen anything with a progressive banking and the less flat tracks have been really good for this car. So, um, you know, last, last week at Texas, it was a one lane track and they've kind of ruined that place. Uh, let's make sure we mention, but that's more pointed to, uh, what is on the racetrack 
um, and the fluid and chemicals that they've dumped into that surface. It's not, it's not a fluid. That is not a fluid. PJ one is not a fluid. I, that's why I said chemicals. Yeah, it is. It is supposed to be a glue that doesn't work in hot weather. So they put it in the wrong, they put, it, put it in the one race track. That's the yeah. furthest South on the schedule. Exactly. Unless uh, code is below it. Don't yell at me if I don't know my Texas geography. It is, but okay. There, there we go. Um, but regardless, the fact of the matter is you you go back to the progressive banking racetracks that we've had throughout this year. And the races have been really good. All of our flat tracks, they've kind of sucked. And so um, I think that this race this weekend, you're going to see multiple grooves. Um, it's, it's 600 miles. So don't get your hopes up that you're going to see, you know, 25 passes for the lead on 20 on the first 25 laps of the race. I mean, don't get your hopes up that there's not going to be at some point, a little bit of a strung out run. It's going to get boring at some point in the race. Don't, don't write it off at that point. Kansas I don't think it'll go. Ahead. I don't think it'll go 300 laps without someone changing the lead though. Oh, it, it, it'll go. I mean, there'll be a lead change at some point. I said 300 laps, Damon. There'll be a lead change at some point. That's okay. 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 <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to be like, well, it could. No, there'll be a lead change at some point. Um, the, I mean, there's going to be multiple. I think what people are going to look for are the green flag lead changes. And who knows what's going to happen there because we don't know if the tire is going to hold out. We don't know, you know, how many cars are going to spin coming off turn four. Um, you just, you don't, you don't know those things until that actually happens. But even at Kansas where it was a really good race, it still got strung out and it still got boring at times. California got strung out, got boring at times. Um, they end up so, being, they end up putting on a decent show. Yeah. So they ended but up both those races specifically race. actually ended up being great races. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So don't write things off even though there's going to be a strung out time throughout it. And I think that's going to be the case here because it is an extra hundred miles compared to any other race that we go to. Absolutely. Uh, do we want to uh, make our picks right now? Mine as well. All right. So I'll let you, here's how we're going to do it. I'll let you take four drivers cause we're, we're coming in. Um, and then I want to wait until like practice and qualifying happen to really make my official picks. So I'll just well, go there. I'll just go first and then you can have whoever I'll take the 400 cars. Uh, and Damon, you can make any of your picks now. Okay. Well, I'm going to take Kyle Larson anyway, because he changing teams. Are you reporting that? Gee, no, um, you don't get to do this. So <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is how it's going to be. I don't have a feel for like this. I don't have a feel for the race yet. I want to see who's fast and practice and qualifying. Uh, and it's just because of the new car. You know, I can go back and look at who's who's won at the track and who's done good, but it's under that 550 package. It bears no meaning to me, none whatsoever. Or you look back at some of the other races this year. I could. Who do you want me to pick then? Because Ryan Blaney's led a lot of laps. Well, are you t saying you're going to take Ryan Blaney? <sighs> yeah, I'll take Ryan with my first pick. We'll do three. Yeah, I, I'm taking Larson with my. First I'm shocked. Pick. I mean, let's be honest. The guy's, the guy's good no matter where, no matter what. Well, it would only be fair if I snake draft this and let you take the second. I'll even, I'll even give up. I'll let you take the second pick. I'll I mean, take Chase Elliott. Um, I'm gonna go Kyle Busch. All right. 
<laughs> I don't know what I want to look at. I got to go long shot because that's the nature of, of what I'm doing. This is a tough, like, this is, it's tough. And I haven't looked really at, oh man. Um, you know what? You know what? All right. I got Tyler Reddit. I like that. That's a good pick. He's due for when, and people, I mean, this is just going to be something we keep saying until he gets it. And that's like the crappy thing. Cause you know, one out of 10 of those guys, they never get it. And right. they ride off into the sunset and in 10 years, uh, random NASCAR picks on Twitter post their paint scheme from yeah. the 20, 2022 Texas race. I, man, that's, a, that's a good pick. I like Tyler Reddick. Do we have to go long shot in this last one? No, no, that's just, I, cause I mean, when we, when I started doing the betting videos, it was, I said like, I'll take one guy who I think will win the race and then the other two will be reserved for long shots. And I've gone away from that a little bit. And then I miss a pick and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I could have taken a long shot and gotten that. Right. Um, hmm. I'm going with the other Bush brother. I'm going to go with Kurt Bush. Um, cars fast. Um, we're leaving a lot of Hendrick guys out on the table. I think William Byron's going to be good this week. I think Bowman's going to be good this week, but uh, Kurt's got a really fast car. And if, if that car is anything like they ran at Kansas, it's going to be tough to, to slow down. You're definitely right. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk dirt for this weekend uh it's gonna get fun so usac is running tonight um being wednesday night um and if you're listening it's tonight being thursday night uh with their non-wing sprint cars at the new track circle city that i believe is closer to indianapolis or closer to speedway indiana um than any of the other ones that's really cool to see and then Friday night, they have their second silver crown race of the year. Uh, they've got the pavement midgets uh, down there as well for the Carbonite Classic. Uh, and that's kind of an event that's taken off uh, as far as like fans who want to go watch racing go. And then they have entertainment. They have concerts uh, over the weekend as well at Indianapolis. So fans that maybe don't want to go to uh, another race and they want to go check out a concert instead can do that. I think it's like stuff like that is like really cool. Just and obviously you're not going to have options everywhere you go. Uh, but like, you know, if I take, uh, someone down there that doesn't like racing at all. Right. And they want to go to the concert and I want to go to the race. I'm going to go to the race and they can go to the concert. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think stuff like that's uh, pretty mm -hmm. cool. Uh, I hate that there's people out there that don't like racing, but you know how that goes. Yeah. No, that's, that's cool. Um, it's, it's neat that the, small tracks around like the, the the suburbs i guess is the best way of putting it or even just the around the racing facilities for that weekend um are buying into it you know they have um the the uh what is it the little 500 or something like that that they run the pavement race that they run um near indy as well on top of it plus you had millbridge running um you know tuesday night and and wednesday night and so yeah around around the uh coca-cola 600 week around yep. Charlotte. Yep. so it, it's cool to have those uh those tracks running at the same time so it's, it's like uh, when lakeside speedway runs uh down in kansas the same time that you know the the kansas races are there for the cup series 
Yeah, and they had that for uh, the dirt track at Vegas, I believe, with the World of Outlaws uh, when the Cup Series ran there. Sometimes they didn't do it this year. Uh, I forget what the schedule was looking like then, but maybe they weren't out west yet. Yeah, I- it all depends on on trying to make stuff like that work, and, and changing eight dates is harder than changing one, right? Right. Um, but no, it's uh, it, Robert Ballou has been really good with that non-wing series. Um, he's been running up front along with Brady Bacon, the defending champ, obviously. Uh, what I, I hate just bringing up that they're running cause they're, they're national tours and they deserve being talked about. Um, but I, you know, there's a lot of intrigue there still, even with, uh, some of the guys we've seen leave each series and I'm excited for, uh, tonight, you know, that was a real ass kicking that Robert Ballou gave the entire field. <laughs> calling it out already last night at last night at circle city uh leading all 40 laps of the feature or however many laps he led so many i lost count there you go ah oh, man um pavement on uh friday as well uh buddy kofoid is gonna be racing a pavement midget for the first time so cool to see him kind of venturing out and stuff and i i don't think he's signed to do a silver crown race there i think he's only doing four He's doing dirt. I think he's doing some of the dirt races for Silver Crown. So I don't think he'll be racing right Friday, but don't quote me on that. He could have signed with someone else. Um, I'll do better at, at keeping track of that. It's kind of tough with how they release stuff and they, you know, they don't call it a part time schedule. They just say someone's going Silver Crown racing and then I get it confused in my head. And mm-hmm. it's all promotion and stuff like that. So we try to uh, dumb it down for you guys. At least that's what uh, my writing does. Uh, some World of Outlaws late model news. Um, then we'll look at the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Weekend, uh, and we'll get you on your way. But uh, the Outlaws late models uh, canceled four race days um, yesterday. The Orange County uh, had two. They're both canceled. Uh, Gondic Law, uh, and there's one more. Um, nope nope it's not coming to me not as easy i could obviously just go on our website and double check here uh but the big news uh of that whole thing was that the hawkeye 100 um is now moving to one day rather than two uh it's moving off of a week where there was going to be uh there's a lucas lay model race on wednesday at davenport uh there was gonna it was gonna go friday night saturday uh at boone and then on sunday was going to be the start of the race xr uh four-day event at stewart so i thought canceling that one was i don't know if you're trying to get your drivers more uh more money or opportunities or or what logistically was the issue uh, of all of that, but I thought they would be over there anyways. So I, I was surprised to see that get moved and I'm not harping on them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I've kind of been rambling trying to find this. Uh, I, duh, I'm stupid. It was, uh, the dirt overall dirt oval at route 66 in Chicagoland. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're seeing, there's a newspaper that reported that the Chicagoland was coming back with a truck race or with a cup race again, next season. Uh, those rumors for right now are false. Uh, they took it from an article that was a uh, proposal of like a dream NASCAR schedule. People do that, but yeah, sir. So they've now canceled uh, that track in Chicagoland, um, an All Star Circuit of Champions race, and now the World Outlaws Late Models. I hate it for 
those fans and, and everyone around that area that's kind of been deprived of all this racing now. Um, but let's go back and talk this Dune thing. So it'll now be Monday, July 25th, uh, the day after the second IndyCar race at Iowa. So that's pretty cool. Iowans are going to get their racing fix all around late July, start of August. Yeah, I mean, generally that's when when the big races hit the state anyway, right? So it makes it makes it even better that we're going to have a complete month full of full of racing in the state. And I know from talking to people at that last year, um, the Hawkeye 100, which I think is just going to be called the Hawkeye now. Don't know if I love that. <laughs> I can't even get Damon to laugh today. They're going to call it just the 100. No, the just Hawkeye. just the Hawkeye. Yeah, uh, that's what I've seen from a couple other uh, outlets that have just posted about it. Um, I don't like that. The press release read it as the Hawkeye event. Yeah, I don't like that at all. So I I don't know what. It, I would just make it a hundred lap feature race, <laughs> just run it. I know they uh, I know they wanted to make that a big thing when they started it last year. Um, it is one of their bigger races on the schedule, 20,000 to win, I believe. Uh, but they'll have, I would bet you they have the three wide start again because it went off without a hitch last year. Mm-hmm. So that's always Boone cool. When do that. Do that. What's that? I say Boone tends to do things like that too anyway. So yeah, it was, it's like their signature, signature. Mm-hmm. not like from IndyCar or anything like that. They didn't take it, copy it. Right. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're going to get somebody rattled with one yeah, of these little things. It's more, funny, man. it's more of our tame episodes. I feel like, I don't know. I haven't said anything too off color yet. Yeah. We still got time. So can, it, the only time you wouldn't is if you hit end, end recording right now and then we'd be okay. <laughs> Cause we do have a special guest coming up. I thought about it. Um, we got Stuart Friesen coming up. Uh, Damon, do we, uh, miss anything that the world of outlaws are also in action this weekend for sprint cars. Uh, they will be at, what am I doing here? I'm all sorts of messed up. Uh, atomic speedway on Saturday, uh, before heading to the Memorial day spectacular on Monday at Lawrenceburg. That's a, a yearly event. Um, I do love that Lawrenceburg race. It's very patriotic. I wish we got some special wraps for that one. Maybe a purse increase big race special raps would be cool yeah something I'm a fan. if i, te- if I'm I texted a fan logan paint schemes yeah no they uh they usually look pretty cool i always liked them when i was a kid uh if you guys run if any of you are listening you run uh anything with the flag on it can we make the blue just a little brighter closer to an electric blue that'd be cool <laughs> it's too dark for my liking on most cars when it's the right light shade of blue i love it Means. This has been paint scheme analysis on flags on race cars. <laughs> All right. Should we let them, let them get, get going. You yeah. guys, uh, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to throw out there? Any hot takes? No, not really looking forward to the busy weekend. And, uh, you guys are going to enjoy listening to Stuart. Absolutely. Uh, props though to the extreme outlaw series. That was a, it's a cool race at Millbridge. Uh, there's people complaining about the pile up last night. Did you watch that replay at all? Oh, a little bit. Yeah. It was tough. It was tough even to see on the replay. The guy that got hit. Yeah, Wiedemann got yeah. hit by uh, Kraus or by Gavin Bushell. I, I was talking oh. about the flagman on the infield. Yeah, dude, agility 
galore. That dude's insane. Yeah. That is exactly what I would do if a race car is coming at me, though. It's like I'd, I'd jab left, jab right, and then end up getting hit by it. Yep. Uh, but he, he jumped on top of it. It's a midget. So luckily, it, it's a car that's not going to run someone over. Yeah, he slowed it down. Yeah. So he did, he did his job there. He did a good job. Um, and glad to see, I think he turned out relatively unscathed, but I uh, he hopped right back up and started unpacking yeah. cars. I figured as much. Um, yeah, there's some controversy on if Gavin Bushell helped, uh, Bryant Wiedemann go around their teammates, um, with Keith Coons Motorsports. I thought Bushell was thrown in there so hard anyways, that I thought he hit a rut and, you know, he might've had a little help, but still it's, it's midget racing on a arena football track, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you're going to get. I thought the event was cool. The atmosphere looked really sweet. And uh, I wish I was down there. I don't know. I can't promise I'd be down there next year, but uh, it looks really cool. And I love what the Extreme Outlaw Series is doing. So, all right, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed this. And I hope you enjoy uh, what's the next 20 minutes coming up. You're uh, about to listen to Stuart Friesen. So thanks a ton. All right, everybody, we're now joined by a very special guest, a three-time NASCAR Truck Series race winner, uh, the last NASCAR Truck Series race winner at Texas uh, last week, and also a big name in the Super Dirt Car Series. It's Stuart Friesen uh, joining the podcast today. Thanks for coming on, Stuart. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Damon, I think uh, I'm going to let you start today. Last episode, Stuart, you probably haven't listened to it yet. We don't blame you. Uh, Damon, Damon talked over me quite a bit, so I'm going to give him the floor here. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, Stuart, uh, it's great to have you on and, and we appreciate you joining us, but uh, coming off a big win, you know, in the trucks at Texas and it's been, it was a, almost a long time coming. You've been so close since your last one and then finally get that, that monkey off your back this last weekend had to feel pretty good. Oh, it was very special. Um, just big for the the whole Helmar team, you know, Chris Larson, myself, Trip Bruce, um, you know, it's been a long time coming, uh, a, a hard two and a half, almost three years of work to get to this level, you know, um, you know, since we were in the final four in 2019, a lot of things changed. We got teamed up with Toyota, uh, built our own organization from the ground up and, uh, you know, to finally get that, that, you know, our third win, but our first win, uh, as an organization is, is very, very special. Does I give you, does I give you now a little bit more confidence, especially with some of the tracks coming up, including Knoxville in a couple of weeks, uh, knowing that you're, you're very good on dirt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our dirt track program, I believe, um, still needs a little bit of work. Uh, you know, last year we struggled a little bit at Bristol and, and Knoxville and then, uh, you know, went to Bristol again this year and thought we were going to be pretty solid and then, and, and still struggle a little bit. So, uh, I, I think we've identified some things we need to change and, and we'll implement that, you know, going into Knoxville, we have Jess, uh, along with us again, running the 62. So, uh, glad to have her on board. She's uh, very analytical and, and, uh, you know, her feedback will definitely help us get to get both trucks tuned in. I, uh, so I've been to both of the world of outlaw sprint car races, uh, at Bristol. So obviously last year I saw you sweep the weekend, uh, in the uh, big block. Did you think, uh, and I asked a lot of the drivers there this, but do you think the track prep this year at Bristol was better? And do you anticipate that kind of happening at Knoxville? 
Yeah, I, I believe it was a lot better. I mean, um, you know, the guys knew what they could get away with as far as prep and moisture, uh, you know, how to manipulate the surface a little bit better. You know, especially at Bristol, it was more of a uniform surface. You know, I talked to some of the guys at, at SMI there, and they said they got about three-quarters of the track done last year and then had to stop and find some more clags they ran out. So it was kind of a not very uniform surface in the way it, the way they put it down. You know, this year they were able to, to fine-tune that a little bit. Uh, you know, going to Knoxville, on the other hand, you know, with the trucks being there once already, you know, seeing what, you know, we can handle, uh, you know, I believe that the mud flap system is going to be implemented into Knoxville, which uh, was kind of one of my ideas. And, and, and Seth, the series director, you know, we, we they laughed about it at first, but it, it actually was a really discreet system and, and kept that mud from flying up on the windshield. So it allows the track crap guys to get a little more aggressive uh, with the moisture and which will let us, you know, put on a better show. So um, looking forward to uh, all of that being implemented and, and going to Knoxville and being able to uh, get up on the fence and, and, and let it rip. No, I don't uh, anticipate seeing it this year, but did they have you test that rock screen they were talking about for NASCAR this season? I was able to text it in the in the next-gen car when we did the tire test, um, you know, at Bristol. I don't think we'll see that implemented, you know, this year. There's, there's a lot of... Um, you know, electrical components inside the cockpits of these cars that you don't see in normal dirt cars that, that really need to be protected. So, um, part of it's that, um, and part of it's a little bit of a safety issue. You know, the, the opening is so big, you know, if a, if a piece or some debris was able to get in there, there's a pretty good area for it to, to hit the driver. So the, the windshield is definitely a, a protection factor. Um, you know, I know some of the dirt purists want to see them out and pull tear offs and I'm right there with them. But, you know, I think with the, the whole mud flap system and, and the other things that have been implemented, you know, I, I think the, like I said, the, the tracks get a little more aggressive with the water and, and, um, you know, we'll have a better race because of it. So, uh, we'll see where that goes going forward. Uh, I can't speak for anybody at NASCAR, but, um, it was, it was kind of neat to test it, uh, without it and, and, uh, you know, plaster the inside of the car with mud. I was going to say it had to, had to be pretty cool to, to try something a little bit different, be the first guy to try something a little bit different. And you kind of touched on the safety concerns that it would bring up. I mean, if, if it was something that they did just put the, the screen that you had used in there, would you have felt safe running with other, other cars on the track? You know, it, it, it would have been a concern. I think, um, I think I would have been okay with it. But, um, you know, if something would have happened, they, they might have got NASCAR in a bad spot. So um, I, I believe some deflectors need to be made, um, some cowls like you see around, you know, a dirt late model or, or uh, UMP type modified. You know, we don't have that. It, it really exposed the driver's hands, the steering wheel, you know, the ignition boxes and everything were really out in the open. So, um, you know, if we, they move forward and go do a, go to a rock type screen, you know, let's have to find a way to protect that you know make a cowl uh you know around around more of the cockpit area and kind of enclose enclose those areas and i did uh i did want to ask you about jessica um obviously your wife races with you at the uh dirt races for the truck series what's uh what's the dynamic there and how did that uh come about in the first place what uh what kind of sparked that idea yeah uh it was chris larson at helmar just had the idea to you know field the second truck when we were building the team up we ended up with another speedway truck that we didn't use um that we had got and you know it wasn't really something we could we could put into service for daytona so it sat in the corner of the shop and uh you know the guys in the shop just started hacking on it one day and and built another dirt truck out of it and um you know we all kind of decided to put jess in it and it's been good to have her you know she's very analytical knows what she wants in, in a race car whether it's a sprint car modified or or truck 
truck. And, you know, she's helped us uh, dial in our, our dirt program. So, uh, like I said, we were still a little bit further away than we're, we thought we'd be even at Bristol this year. Um, but, but our feedback was both the same and, and, you know, Trip and Jonathan have been able to, uh, you know, go to work on the front ends of our trucks and, and hopefully get them a lot better for when we unload at Knoxville. You talked about building up the program and, and building things up. And really it was a few years ago that, that you kind of just came onto the scene with your own, own stuff. Really. Uh, I guess kind of give us some background on how that, that came about, how you got into the truck series and, and really what it's like being an owner in today's climate. It's, uh, it's challenging for sure. Uh, you know, we got started in the truck series in 2016, you know, I met Chris Larson and, and, you know, his Halmar international construction company. And, and we decided to, to go racing with him at the dirt modified level. And, you know, during that first meeting, you know, at the end of 2015, he, uh, he mentioned, you know, let's, let's maybe take a look at doing that Eldora dirt race. That sounds like a lot of fun. And, and, uh, you know, that it was, we, we got involved in that race and, um, you know, went from there and it snowballed and, you know, here we are, we've, we've, we've bounced around a little bit on the truck series and, and learned the game, learned the climate and, and the players. And, um, you know, now with our, our own organization for the past, uh, two, three years, it's been, um, really special, really you know, gratifying, uh, building that. And now, you know, getting that first win last weekend was, was really the icing on the cake. So, um, now we're, we're focused dead on, on the future, uh, you know, getting more wins and, then you know, keep building, uh, this organization into a championship caliber team. So, uh, lately we've seen, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but lately we've seen, um, kind of drivers, uh, going to a ton of different disciplines of racing. Obviously Kyle Larson has been the most successful at it, but I mean, you look at guys like Tyler Courtney, uh, is about to hop in a late model, uh, Nick Hoffman as well. Guys like that, that are racing all types of, uh, different tours. And you've been doing it for six, seven, eight years, uh, between the truck series, uh, and super dirt car and all that. Uh, obviously you've got a couple of super late model starts. Do you envision yourself entering the Eldora million in a couple weeks? I don't think so. Uh, it conflicts with our schedule this year. So we won't be able to do that. You know, we, we have a, a Longhorn uh, with a badass Cornet motor that we ran a little bit last year and then uh, tore it up at, at Volusia in February. So that's, that's that Longhorn getting fixed now. So hopefully by the end of the year, there'll be a couple more races we can jump. And I felt like uh, we had a top five last year with the outlaws at Middletown and, uh, and a couple of top fives down in South Carolina with it. So hopefully I felt like we were just starting to get you know, uh, comfortable with it and with, with the setup stuff and, and, you know, learn that whole deal as, as part of our own team. And, um, hopefully we can, you know, get back in it in the, in the future and, 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 you know, keep that learning process going. It's obviously a bit hard to quantify, but how, how much does racing so many different disciplines help you, uh, in your career and how much better do you think you've gotten since you, I mean, you've been doing it basically your whole career, but yeah, no, since, since I started, um, you know, when I was in, my teens, I've tried to race anything I could, you know, I ran a lot of three quarter midget stuff on pavement growing up and then, you know, dirt sportsmen and modified cars and tried to bounce around and just stay as sharp as I can by, you know, racing more. Um, and I, I think it's just like anything, the more you do it, the better you get, you, the more you learn, um, you know, jumping in the super late model last year was really, really cool and awesome experience, you know, getting to know some of those guys and, and getting to know some of the different spring and shot combinations, you know, it's stuff that we've tried to apply to our, our big block modified stuff. And then just those skill sets uh, as a driver, you can apply to all different forms of racing. So I think, uh, you know, the more I do it, it, it keeps me in shape for the truck stuff and, and uh, the grueling, you know, hot races. And um, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, you know, just do as much as we can. 
you're really good in that big block modified. Uh, I think we were looking prior to you getting on, you're leading the points for the super dirt car series. And, and that's gotta be, you know, gotta be pretty cool to have the, have the points lead. And, and now you got yourself locked into a playoff spot as well. Um, I guess, you know, as you go throughout the summer months, uh, balancing schedules has got to be the, the toughest part now, right? It definitely is. Uh, it's a challenge. Um, you know, now with, you know, the truck schedule going to more, a more traditional schedule with practice and qualifying, you know, we kind of got used to that COVID type schedule where we just show up and race and it allowed for a lot more dirt racing on the days prior and after truck races. So, um, that's definitely going to cut into the, the dirt racing stuff, you know, throughout June and July throughout the summer. Uh, but we'll still do just as much as we possibly can. Now you're locked into a playoff spot in the truck series. I know how much you like running the big block modified. Have you, have you at all thought about faking an injury in the truck series and going with a fake name <laughs> in the super dirt uh, park? No, no. Um, you know, uh, barring any travel delays a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we narrowly, uh, <laughs> avoided a delay, you know, getting to Kansas had Bubba Wallace practice and qualify the truck. Um, so, so barring any delays, you know, hopefully we can make all the, uh, all the, all the truck, uh, events on the schedule. That's, you know, that's, that's the name of the game. That that's our, that's our focus. Uh, and, you know, and then we just kind of fill in the rest with, with all the big pan, uh, modified races between the short track super series and, and super dirt stars, super dirt car series, uh, on top of that. So, um, no injuries as of yet, but, uh, you never know when you, you might stub your toe, right? <laughs> you can, you can call me dumb for this. I know you're not a points official in the tour, but we are looking at points. Obviously you won at Volusia, but it says like updated through May 18th, but it says all you guys have only ran two races. How do they calculate which points count or which races? Yeah, that's, count? that's interesting how they do that. So, um, we ran, we ran Volusia, uh, super dirt car series. Then we went and we ran some races, uh, at all tech and at Cherokee with the short track super series, a totally different, um, you know, organization, um, that that's big time on the rise and you can catch all their races on flow all the time. Uh, all the dirt super dirt car series stuff is on dirt vision. Um, if you want to catch it throughout the country. So, uh, we're officially the point leader, but uh, we can unofficially win the championship because I'm not a, uh, one of their platinum drivers because I can't make all the races. So we lead the points until they figure in, um, all their super secret special bonus points. And then it usually kicks us to about 20th. So, um, it is what it is. It, it's fun to, uh, you know, kind of break balls over the summertime with the super dirt car series officials and, uh, you know, run for those points and gain as much points as we can. But, uh, you know, ultimately, ultimately at the end of the year, uh, we'll miss a couple races because the truck, uh, truck, schedule conflicts and and uh it, it'll, it'll kick us out of the running do you ever run a uh, special like orange spoiler like they do on the lay model side when you're leading <laughs> points like that <laughs> no no we haven't um but you can you can take that idea free of charge by the way <laughs> absolutely all right that might be something we think about going uh we actually have two big uh big block series races this weekend at weed sport in lebanon valley uh sunday monday so um, i was going to ask if you were going to make the trip out there because you guys race this friday at charlotte right yeah, we do. Uh, we're at Charlotte, and then we have a big Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we're back here uh, in New York to Fonda Saturday night, and then then uh, Big Black Super Dirt Car Series races Sunday and Monday. So uh, we did have an orange uh, piece of tape on the top of our spoiler last year, um, but they made us take that off because well, I think we won too many races with it on there. So um, <laughs> it looked cool, but uh, but the officials, uh, they, they axed that. I don't want to, to change subjects too far, but going back to your truck series stuff, 
Um, you guys have been fielding Todd Bodine stuff too. And, you know, he's uh, a big name in the sport and, and obviously a legend and uh, could easily be considered a future hall of famer to, to be put on the ballot. But that, that's gotta be pretty cool to, to have a hand in that. Right. It's been really neat to, to get to know Todd and his wife, Janet, and, and work with them. Uh, obviously, Camping World came on in a big, big way to, to you know, support that whole deal with the 62 truck. And, and it, it, it's just been a good shot in the arm for our whole, whole organization, uh, bringing Todd in and, and letting him run Sim and, and run the trucks and, and, you know, get his feedback has been, been really big and, and something that, um, you know, we appreciate and it. And it's been, been cool to do. So um, he has three more races left, you know, Sonoma. Um, Nashville and then Pocono for his 800 start. And, um, you know, we'll just have as much fun we can with it, but, uh, also it's, it's been uh, a big performance advantage for the team to have him on board. If you see him, if you're in the lead, uh, coming to the white flag with one lap to go there and you see him in your uh, rear view mirror, are you going to pull off like team orders? Get him that uh, one. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I'll be running extra hard because I know, uh, <laughs> he'll do whatever it takes to win one of these things. I was just going to ask on, on that too, is the, what advice has he given you? I mean, and, and given the team and kind of, you know, without obviously giving away the full secret and everything, but you know, what, what things has he done to, to come in and help you guys out? Oh, he's just been, you know, a, a great coach uh, to me personally with, with restarts and stuff like that. Um, you know, he, I accept all the criticism I can get and it's all been constructive and he sees it a lot, you know, obviously being, being behind the wheel for so long and then, you know, being in the broadcast booth for the last pretty much my entire truck series career. Um, you know, we've been able to dial some things in that, that I can do better. Um, you know, restarts, like I said, being one of them. And, uh, and I think it's definitely helped, you know, having him, um, you know, kind of pick apart some stuff on the team and, and helped us look in different areas where we might not have looked and, and, you know, get better because of it. All right, Stuart, before you go, I did want to ask you, you're from Canada, obviously. So do you have a favorite uh, NHL team? Uh, I do. I, 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 I'm not huge into it. I played hockey growing up um, my entire life and kind of got burned out of it, honestly, um, like, like a lot of kids do. And when they're, when they're really hardcore into sports, but um, I, I cheer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I cheer for the Buffalo Sabres. Those were both my, uh, my local teams growing up. So, um, you know, whenever the Sabres and Leafs are doing good, I'm, uh, I'm happy. Now, have you heard any backlash of the Toronto collapse in the playoffs this year? Uh, no, but it's something we've seen before, right? So, yeah, I think five uh, years in a row, I think they've lost in a game seven. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not at all surprising. Uh, it's frustrating, uh, but not at all surprising. <laughs> Damon, you got anything else for Stuart? Uh, I guess, you know, with, with the schedules coming up and some of the, some of the, your schedule in particular, is there any tracks on, on the schedule you're looking forward to trucks and, and anything else that you're running? Oh man, it's always, I get that, uh, asked that question a lot and it's always the next race. I mean, looking forward to getting to Charlotte this weekend and, and keeping the truck deal going, trying to keep this momentum going. And then, you know, with the modified stuff, just getting back on track with that. We, we had, uh, I think over 30 wins last year at the modified, we're at only at three right now. So had a couple motor problems with that, that we're trying to get remedied, you know, this day and age, it's been, been tough to get parts and get motors fixed. So, uh, I think in a couple of weeks we'll have the modified team back firing on all cylinders and then, uh, hope to get, you know, both, both ends of HFR, uh, you know, in victory lane, a whole, uh, a whole bunch more times throughout the rest of the year. Well, uh, thank cool. you a ton. And, uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. And good luck, uh, this weekend at, uh, Charlotte. All right, boys. Appreciate it. Take care now. You too.
Awesome. 